We turn our faith. We turn our confidence. We turn our trust to you, God. Whatever situation is facing us, we declare to it that we come to you in the name of the Lord God of high. We stand with the same confidence that David stood with when he faced Goliath. That our God is greater than all that come up against us. We understand that there's power in your word. That you have committed yourself to your covenant promises to us. And we have strong hope, strong confidence. Our hope has stability in it. We're not moved by what we feel. We're not moved by what we see. We're moved only by what we believe. And we believe that God's word is promised to us and it will never fail. We stand on that now in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me. Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom, and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me, I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the Spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to take the time to acknowledge those of you that are joining with us live on Facebook Live and on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please, please take the time to do that. That's most of those of you that are here and those of you that are members and our cyber partners online. We appreciate each and every one of you. We just want you to have a ready and easy way to experience a difference of destiny. And then you can go back and see all the messages. If you missed the Sunday, you can get caught up. It's real easy to do. Um, this series on unleashing the increase of faith, we're going back to the basics. Um, but there's really, you know, there's some things that are just fundamental. And so every once in a while, you have to go back and make sure that you understand the fundamentals of how um, your life with God works. And so uh, unleashing the increase of faith is designed to do that. The second part of this, you know, we're going to just, you know, this is kind of a two-part series. The first part just talks about unleashing the increase of faith, how faith works, and then what does it do, and so that you understand <clears throat> that the tool God gave you is a very important one. But then on the other side of that, then we'll say, okay, now that you understand how to at least the increase of faith, then how do you experience the increase through faith? How do I turn faith towards 
different situations and circumstances and apply faith to that thing, expecting God to move in that situation. So you'll see both parts of that. Amen. All right. So our objectives for this series, um, enjoy praise and worship this morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Um, number one is to review and elaborate on the basics of understanding the force of faith, how it works and doesn't work, and walking by faith. So sometimes in this series, you're not just going to hear how things work, but we're gonna, you're going to hear some of the times when we've had um, faith failures and missteps and so that you don't think you're the only person who, you know, tried it and it didn't work out just the way you thought it should. Like that's actually part of the process. Like no parent gets upset when they see their child fall down when they're, they're learning to walk. Nobody gets upset about it. It's part of the process. Some of those ups and downs are part of the process. So God is already, he's, he's already factored that into your learning how to unleash your faith. Number two, to encourage you to examine faith as a toy, something that I play with, a trial, something that I try out for a while, a tool, something that I use to do something, but once I'm done with that, then I put it down. A tactic, when I've tried these other things, then I'll try faith as a, as a way to get through my situation. As a technology, as, as something that I use to create and enable things that other things won't do, and as a termination, when I'm ride or die, when I'm, I'm in it and this is the only way I live and I don't have a plan B. Three, to enlighten levels of faith as described in Scripture and encourage self-examination to move you to spiritual acceleration in your purposeful faith development. Kind of where am I in my faith development? And where am I in all areas? Because I could be, I could be uh, in faith that I'm saved and on my way to heaven, but not in faith for the other components that salvation makes available to me. Okay? So today I'm going to give some examples, and I'm going to talk about the fact that, um, um, you know, that, that many of the members of our congregation, they have um, employed, there's a contract that, they, that, that their employment is based upon. And some things on it you do every week and every day for five days, eight hours, right, and then some overtime. Then some Saturdays too. But there's other parts that's embedded in that agreement that you may not ever do. You might not ever reach out to the employee assistance program that's available to you. It's there. It just might not be the part that you've accessed. And so the same way is it true with your covenant with God. There's parts of it that we access all the time and other parts that we don't access and then we don't have the same confidence sometimes in the things we don't access as the pieces we do. So you can be strong in one area and weak in another, all right? Number four, to illuminate power, keys, and principles that I've learned in my own life and seen in the life of my mentors and spiritual leaders. And five, to embolden you to release your faith for the illogical, inconceivable, and what is naturally impossible such that God is free to move in amazing ways to bring his purpose to pass in your situation, all right? So just from a review, I gave you some graphics last week. It is the graphical version of Romans chapter 10. So let's look at that graphic that there's two ways that we, we understand outcomes when you hear the word of God. First of all, you have to have a, someone that God sends a preacher. 
right? Moses had his burning bush experience. Jesus was in the wilderness. There's a, there's a time where somebody has a sense that they have been sent. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, who will go for us? Jeremiah said, heard the Lord tell him when he was a, a young man, he said, hey, Jerry, before you was in your mother's womb, I already knew you. He was sent from God to preach. Based on the preacher preaching, then the people hear. They hear, and option A says you believe what you hear. If you believe it, you get right, less, right standing with God, and the Bible says that he that believes shall not be put to shame. Then you call to it. What, what the preacher says, you got to choose to say. Now, nobody can get in your mouth and make you say it. I can't. You got to choose to make your own personal decision on how you're going to respond to a word from God. No preacher can do that for you. I wish I could, but I can't. You got to choose to, to believe it. If you believe it, then you can call to it. When you call to the thing that you believe, then God's salvation comes. The heart man believes unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the Lord is rich to all who call upon him. That's not just true for being born again. That's just for accessing the other parts of your agreement that you might not have access as well. So you got, you got, you got health problems. You need somebody to teach on healing so that you can get confidence in that part of your covenant. You have relationship problems. You need somebody to teach on relationships so that you can get part access to, you know, confidence in that part of the agreement. Now, just because you don't have confidence doesn't mean it's not there. So, if you don't want to do what it takes to get your confidence up, don't be mad when I get mine and get what's there available to me. Don't be mad at me. Remember the, the elder brother to the prodigal son? Lord, you never gave me a party. God was like, listen, son, you could have had a party anytime you wanted. You just didn't know that was part of your covenant, and you didn't ask for it. All right? But that's only one part of what can happen when you get a word from God. Let's look at the second part. You can have the same preacher sent from God. You can hear it, and then you can respond with unbelief. He could be talking about a land formed with milk and honey, and then you could be believing about the giants and the grasshoppers. Yeah. So then, if you respond with unbelief, which is not non-belief, is believing something other than what God promised, then you're not right with God. You, the shame that is available to you is no longer in your life. The riches that is available to you is no longer available to you, so you are spiritually impoverished. And then the freedom and the salvation that was available to you is no longer there, so bondage is there. And then God replaces you with somebody who will do what he wants. That's what, that was also in that same passage of Scripture. And then you get jealous of the people that replace you. That's why I tell the Lord, Lord, whatever you're doing, I like Paul Martin's song, whatever you're doing in this season, just don't do it without me. I mean, I don't, I don't have to be everything. I just want to do my part. Don't, don't, don't have an assignment for me and then have to choose somebody else because I just refuse to believe it and go in. I mean, I love my children, but don't even replace me with them. Don't have them have to grow up in a wilderness that was of my making. 
and then they have to go on to a promised land because dad just circled the wilderness for 40 years and couldn't get further in his faith development, all right? So I'm going to go on and believe God and express, listen, listen, I'm going to tell him, no, 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 you can do, you can do it, baby, but it's because you're going to see daddy do it in front of you. Not going to front on them and tell them to do stuff I'm not willing to do myself. Not going to do that. I'm going to exercise my own faith in my own situation. Hebrews 11 and 1 is our key scripture here for today. We started this uh, last week. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we gave you some definitions of faith, and I'm just going to Talk about that. Believing without sense realm evidence. So if my body still says I'm sick, but the word of God says I'm healed, then I have to choose which is the evidence that I choose to believe. Agreeing and acting on divine promises until the power of those promises are displayed in open operation. I'm going to stand in faith for this thing until, until, Right? I'm standing in faith for my healing until the promise, the power of that gets displayed so everybody can see it. But the first time I start believing it, nobody sees it. Abram changed his name to Abraham from exalted father when he didn't have no kids to the father of many nations. And they, they had to be laughing on him. Hey, call me Abraham. We happen to know Sarah ain't had nobody. But he was willing. He was willing until the power of those promises was displayed in open operation. Agreeing with the truth of God's word until the power of that word changes my situation. I agree with the word more than I'm in agreement with the circumstances that contradict the word in my life. Then we said faith is trust. Trust in who you rely on. What do you turn to? Like, you really want to be sensitive to when you're in trouble, when you're irritated and agitated, what's the first thing you want to do? What's the first thing you want to do? Some of us have comfort food. <laughs> and we got pounds to show it. What do you turn to? When you feel trouble, retail therapy. I'm just saying. See? Now, see, if I told you, you know, y'all be saying, I don't have a little idol in my house that I bow down to when I come in. I don't have no little God. But you got to watch that thing. That thing will slip up on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That thing will slip up on you. You, you. you think you're trusting in God, but the thing you turn to first. God, if you don't come through, I'm going to handle this myself. That's what I mean when I said, are you your own God? Now, see, nobody, now nobody had a little statue in their house that they bow down to when they come into the house. That don't mean you don't have an idol. Can Christians have an idol? Of course they can. That's why the Bible says the works of the flesh is manifested. It includes idolatry. Yes, you can. Don't get it twisted. Let's go on with our definition. All right? 
So then we said faith is the ability to believe that desirable things which we hope for already exist and are and already exist and belong to us. Desirable things that we want exist and are already ours. Right? Desirable things. We've been dealing with faith gives substance to the thing hoped for. So your desires matter when it comes to your faith manifesting. If I want it for you more than you want it for you, then you're not yet in faith. Now, my faith in some situations can override. But I, they, it's not universally able to override because then it would be witchcraft. I would be able to control you. So I can't give you something over your will. Now, when I got a little child, remember the father brought the child to Jesus. The father, because the child was a child, was enough authority that his will could override that situation. But when Jesus told the man to rise up and walk, the Pharisees came to his parents and said, they said, who did it? He said, listen, he's a, he's a grown man now. He can speak for himself. His will is now the overriding decision in his situation. Then I have, to, I have to go into intercessory mode where I'm asking God to take your will and make you more willing. But then I got to sit and wait because I can't impose that on you even though I would like to. I got to sit and wait and let God work the process and let my intercession work its way all the way through until it gets to the manifestation. Now, we have a promise he'll do that, but I can't rush it up and start trying to manipulate you to do stuff I won't done. And then withholding my approval of you because you don't do what I want you to do. I'm preaching good right there. Because if grace withheld, if God held up his approval until I did everything right, he would never approve of me. Now, I know, I know you, you Jesus Jr. I know you do it all right. But I need him to stay approving of me even when I haven't done things that are approval, approving, that he is approving of. And so he wants me to walk like he does. Love like he does, without conditions, right? Okay, so I'm going to skip that longer definition. I'm going to go to my key statement. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That's a key statement you want to remember. Because I can't have faith. No, I can want something. But God doesn't promise something he hasn't committed himself to. If he hasn't promised me, then I don't have any right to just assume that it's going to work in my situation. Now, I can make stuff up as I go, but I'm talking about having faith in God. And God commits himself, and I can believe him to give me what he's promised. Right? Now, telling the story about a man that was... I was in Bible school up at Agape Faith Training Center, uh, Center, Agape Faith Bible Training Center, and there was a young man, a, 
of shorter stature, and he said, I, I believe that God going to make me as tall as you. Then I'm thinking to myself, and I didn't argue with him because we're in Bible school, and I was a student like he was a student. But the Bible says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one inch to his height? You can't add to your height by, Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus. Now, he's believing something that Jesus didn't promise. I'm there typing with my laptop. I'm believing God that you're going to give me your laptop. God didn't promise you that David was going to give you his laptop. Now, God can give you a laptop, and there's enough promise to do that. But you didn't say that. You said you wanted David to give you his laptop, and God never promised you, and neither did David. Because, see, people find out about faith, and then they start trying to make it work the way they think it should work instead of finding out how God intended for it to work. All right? So Ephesians 2, look at verse 12. Just go, go to verse 12, uh, media team. Ephesians 2 and 12 says that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. If, if you have no covenant, then essentially you are without God. That's what that scripture says. And you have no earnest expectation for God to move in your situation without that. All right? So now we're no, longer, we're no longer outside of the covenant, but we can still be a stranger to it because we haven't spent any time studying what God's made available to us. You could have a benefit agreement, and there's stuff in there that's good for you, but you hadn't spent the time to figure out what that stuff is. All right? So we want to not be those kind of people, all right? So last week we learned that if you are stranger to the covenants of promise, that we are without Bible hope and without God. God is not obligated to do anything he has not promised you. But now we are citizens of the commonwealth, which means we have common access to the covenant that God has given us. What is covenant? Here's a definition of covenant. Let's look at this. Covenant. God made and makes covenant. They are legally binding spiritual agreements, legally binding. The word of God is a legal document in the courts of heaven. I can make contracts with people, and then they can go to court and sue me because I violated and had a breach of contract. In heaven, God's word is law. He has exalted his word above all of his name. Right? God's word is legal. It is law in heaven. It's a legally binding spiritual agreement with a covenant man. And these covenants concern his dominion, his law, his promise for obedience to the law, and the necessity of successors. Yeah, sorry about that. All right. God's covenant is made with. God makes covenant, legally binding spiritual agreements with a covenant person. There always is God and a key covenant leader. In Noah's day, it was Noah. He made a covenant. There's usually some kind of sacrifice, right? He makes some promise. They give some tokens of covenant. The rainbow was a token, a symbol of covenant. Right? 
for, for Abraham, they were to circumcise the male sons on the eighth day after birth as a covenant sign. There was always some token of covenant. My wedding ring is a token of a, of a covenant that I have with that beautiful lady there sitting to my right and to your left. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. It's a covenant. It's a token of the agreement that I have. Sometimes there's also within covenant a covenant meal. Melchizedek came to Abraham with bread and wine. Even in your marriage ceremony, the cake is a little sweeter. We do a toast, but the, the symbology is that it's a covenant meal. And when they lift the glass, they speak a blessing, don't they? They feed one another. Okay? Now, we think, is the cake sweet? Do you like it? Is Listen, it's molding how sweet the cake is. All right, we're going to partake of communion. Is the cracker good? Is molding the cracker's taste? <laughs> I'm trying to help you. It's bigger. If all you focus on is how, how good the cracker tastes, you missing the main part. Okay. All right, that's really important, y'all. This, 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 is, this is very important. Now, when covenant is made between God and a covenant man, then the covenant concerns that God, how God's going to operate with that person, right? What things that that person has to do to stay in line with that covenant, what promises are kept or included in that, and it necessitates successors because God is eternal, but the covenant man is not. To Abraham and your descendants were the promise made. God blessed Noah and his descendants, and he gave the sign of the rainbow. Okay? So those things are what covenant is. All right, so let's look at Galatians 3. Um, this is just the review pieces, and then we'll go back into that list that we've given you about the Abrahamic covenant. Galatians 3, 13 through 17, then 26 through 29. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. See, that's how we got in. Through Christ Jesus, even though God made a covenant through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and though his seed, we get in through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So faith is a key activator to us walking in covenant. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet is, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as, as, as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. The key, 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 the key man, the key covenant man was Abraham, but the key covenant man that God was speaking to through Abraham was Christ. Because God told Abraham to do stuff that Abraham couldn't do. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Abraham couldn't do that. He was talking through Abraham to Jesus. 
So Jesus was the one who could manifest the covenant at its height. There was no promise, no benefit embedded in the covenant that Jesus couldn't access because he completely fulfilled it. Got it? All right. Um, verse 17, and this I say, that the law, the law, what is the law, Pastor David? That was the covenant that came through Moses, which was 430 years later after the covenant of Abraham, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. Abraham's, Moses' covenant could not override Abraham's covenant. Now, there are some spiritual leaders that will preach you that we, we completely ignore the Old Testament. Anybody heard people preach like that? Okay. Now, how do I do that if this scripture says that there are promises embedded that God promised Abraham that I get to access? Why would I ignore the thing that gives me some benefits? So, I, I mean, I don't sit around arguing. I just read the Bible. All right? So there is clearly here, this passage of Scripture tells me there are certain benefits in the Old Testament. Now, what they do is say that everything that is in the Old Testament is the law. But this Scripture says that there was stuff in the Old Testament that was not the law, didn't it? It says that there was a covenant made and that the law came 430 years later, but it cannot annul what was put into the previous covenant. That's an important point. Now, this is all spiritual, legal. I'm giving you legal terminology. But that's what, the, that's what Paul was doing, wasn't it? He said you can't disannul a covenant that has been signed, sealed, and ratified. Okay, they had, Mo, Abraham had a covenant animal, covenant animals. God said, he said, how do you know, how do I know you're going to give me this land? And God said, prepare these animals. And so then Abraham prepared them, he split them, which was a covenant practice. And there was a, there was a, a blood path between the animals. The intention was that the two covenant people, if it was a man's covenant, they would walk in the blood. Sometimes they would even shed their own blood and let it spill. Because they were saying, we're going to be one. And if either of us breaks this covenant, then we're going to be like this animal. In human covenants, in old world cultures, they would tell you, here's all the blessings that'll come upon you. And then they would say, here's all the curses. If you break this covenant, I'm gonna hunt you. I'm gonna hunt your kids. I'm gonna hunt your grandkids all the way down to the 10th, 12th, and 100th generation. Abraham split the animals and he was preparing to walk through God in it. But the scripture says, go back and read it. A terror came on him and he was frozen. And then it says that there was a furnace and a lamp, speaking of God the Father and God the Son walked through together while Abraham was frozen. He couldn't even walk through God, walk through it. So God the Father and neither God the Father nor God the Son is going to break their first covenant. Now, when Moses put his covenant in place, 
These things will be upon you if you do it. These things won't if you don't do it. There was a blessing and a curse. Christ completely fulfilled it. He did all right by it. And then he took upon him everything that was in the curse. But he didn't, he didn't take away from us the blessing. Christ has redeemed us not from the whole law, not from the benefit, but from the curse of it. You shouldn't be going back and reading Deuteronomy 28, the first part. Some people will say, I, I don't see where he redeemed me from the blessing. So then the prophet said, finding fault with them, I'm going to do a new covenant. Not like the Mosaic covenant because they couldn't keep it. But I'm going to give them a covenant that now, in this covenant, they will be partaker of my divine nature. I will write my law on their inward parts. This covenant is still between God and his covenant man. His covenant man is Christ Jesus. Now, neither God's going to break it and Jesus is not going to break it. So I can have confidence in God keeping his covenant because neither God or Jesus is going to break it. But it was always to a covenant man and his seed. That's why when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I am the children God has given me. That's you and me. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Come on. Heirs of what? Of covenant promise, but the new covenant. So we get all the benefits of the Abrahamic covenant. We get the blessings in, in, in embedded in the Mosaic covenant without the curse. And then we get all the new covenant promises in Jesus too. Y'all got out of that? Get it? Got it good. Now, that's a whole theological lesson right there your pastor just gave you. So when I go back to an old covenant something that was a promise, and I get the good parts out, and somebody tells me, well, you can't have that because that was to the left of Matthew. They don't know what they're talking about. Don't listen to them just because they, they got preacher behind their name. Even if they got bishop behind their name, they're still wrong. Yep, I said it. Yes, I said it. You're wrong. Okay, that wasn't for none of y'all in here. All right, let's look at verse 26. For, we, for you are all sons of God through Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. For many of you, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise that God gave to Abraham to bless him. The promise where God swore by himself that surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Those things are applying to you because you're in Christ. So don't leave that on the table saying we just got to be stuck where we are. Stop that. And don't come to the new covenant table of communion concern about is the cracker good you 
you missing the point. I'm just saying, you're missing the point. That's not the point. Now, you can, if you want to do that at a wedding and discern, determine is the cake good, that's fine. But don't come here saying that. And, and the husband and wife better be concerned more than how the cake tastes. I know you put the top layer in the freezer and eat it on your first anniversary, but listen, it's more than how it tasted, either when you got it the first time or a year later. You understand? All right, eight benefits encapsulated in the Abrahamic covenant. I gave you this last week, but I want to give you pieces of this again. Number one is the empowerment of being blessed to be a blessing. So this is, there's nothing in the new covenant that takes you away from being blessed and blessing others. Two, incentivization of partners. God blesses those that bless you and curse him who curses you. Third is protection of life, liberty, and property. Right? He fought for Sarah. He got Lot out of trouble because Abraham prayed. These are all your benefits. These are in your covenant. You inherit this promise. Number four, wealth riches, wealth and riches, empowerment for business success. Man, I can't balance my checkbook. Yes, you can. Stop saying that. I'm going to live forever from paycheck to paycheck. Stop that. You don't have to. You got a covenant that's beyond paycheck to paycheck. You do. Okay. Number five, spiritual empowerment through tithing and partnering with your man of God. Yeah. Melchizedek came to Abraham. Jesus is your priest after the order of Melchizedek. So on his behalf, in the name of Jesus, I receive tithes in Destiny Generation Church. But there's an empowerment that came on that that had nothing to do with Malachi chapter 3. Stop it. I don't even have to go to Malachi. You're cursed with a curse. No, no, no. See, I'm not even at the curse part yet. That was the law. I went all the way back to Abraham. I didn't go to the mosaic thing that Malachi talks about. It's not about what's in the curse. I'm not trying to scare you into tithing. I'm trying to teach you to walk by faith in your Abrahamic covenant and get the blessing that goes with it without the curse. People think you can only book on tithing is Malachi. Stop it. Read your Bible. All right, number six. Supernatural empowerment to produce a family of faith. You got issues getting pregnant? This is scripture you can stand on. And you got children that's outside. This is the scripture you stand on to bring them all back in to be inside the covenant with you. Jacob was a rascal. He was a rascal. But God still blessed him, gave him time to get through his dumb days and get back into his covenant promise. Yes, he did. You should be believing for that. That's, that's your promise. Right? Number seven, clarity of assignment on the destiny path to your land of promise. 
right? That's Genesis 13. God told him, I'm giving you this land. God will tell you, here's the place where you are created to prosper. Because see, destiny is not portable. I can't just take my destiny and go where I want to go. God has plans and paths that he has prepared ahead of time that I should walk in them. There's a specific place for me to fulfill my destiny assignment. He's going to show me that place that I'm created for. And in that place, can't nobody hold me back. Reminded them when they was laying off people, God, you sent me to GM. You sent me here. You sent me here. I didn't come up here on my own. You sent me here. So you're going to have to hold it. You don't have enough seniority. You're going to have to hold it, God. You're going to have to hold it. Um, I know what's in the agreement. You don't know what agreement I got. I got another agreement you know not of. Okay? These are things you should be standing on and standing for. Finally, eight, inside information on God's interventions on the, in the planet. God told Abraham, he said, I can't even come down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, which is in Abraham's neighborhood, without talking to Abraham first. Now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm chewing through because one of the things that happened when, when Dr. Barkley was here, he started ministering on end-time events. And... Um, I'm really thinking about my Tuesday night having some time where I open up the book of Revelation and, and actually teach it. Not that that makes sense because it's the Bible. Faith can't come if you don't hear it. You can't hear it if somebody ain't sent to teach it. And Revelation says, blessed are the people that hear it and keep the sayings in it. So there's stuff in there for me to do. Yeah, that makes sense. There's stuff in the rest of the book for me to do. But Jesus made a certain statement about the end times. He said, It'll be like it was in the days of Noah. Then he said it'll be like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Anybody read that? Now, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it said Lot had to get out in a hurry. It said, remember Lot's wife who turned around and looked back. But if you go back and read it, what you'll see is Abraham was sitting in his tent watching the place burn down. Lot couldn't look at it, but Abraham watched the whole thing burn. Go back and read it. Like some people want to tribulate. I don't have to tribulate. I'm going to be with Abraham, my spiritual father. You want to tribulate? That's your business? You want to get out like Lot? That's your business? I'm going to be like Abraham, sitting there watching it. And, and God didn't tell him he couldn't look at it, neither. The issue is, if you like Lot and you got the world in you, you better not turn around and look at it. Ooh, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. All right. So we want to make sure that we get our heart settled on what's inside of our covenant for us. We need to take the time that it takes to meditate those scriptures so that what God promised we actually desire. All right. One one final scripture, I'm going to go to Luke 16, 19 through 22. While, I, while, while screen team is working that, let me just make a statement. 
sometimes our hope is built on, okay, I got a good job, I got a good degree, and then those things get taken. And then we are hopeless. Our hope is built on, I have good genes, I don't have this kind of sickness running in my family, and then we get an evil report, and then we get hopeless. We get dejected. That means our hope was not, we said we was believing God, but we was just really believing our stuff. I'm sitting down talking to executives that are transitioning, and they're used to being large and in charge, and then the company starts to give them the left foot of fellowship, saying, you, 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 you know, you're too expensive. We're going to kick you out and get a younger person who can pay less and still do the same job. And then they start to feel some kind of way because now they're used to being in charge. Their confidence was in their, in their education and position. So when that takes, gets taken away, then they start to feel like I'm, I'm less than a man. I'm, I'm not who I thought I was because my confidence was in those kinds of things. When that was not supposed to be what you were basing your confidence on in the first place. Saints used to sing it this way. My hope is built on nothing less in Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not, I dare not, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I dare not trust my money. I, I dare not trust my position. I dare not trust my skills. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground, whatever else you put your hope in, it's sinking sand. I want you to have your hope based on what God has promised you and made available to you through God's covenant man, Jesus Christ. That's why you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, God gave us the old covenant promises, and God was true, and Jesus was true. But the blood that they made the promise in was the blood of an animal. But the new covenant is more than the blood of an animal. It is in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb slain without spot from the foundation of the world. His better blood gives us better promises and better benefits. There was no covenant promise under the old covenant that allowed us to let God live on the inside of us. But according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we are partaker of his divine nature through these exceeding great and precious promises. We can escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. So your promise gets all of the benefits that Abraham got plus some that he didn't get. Now look at Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 22. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, when the dogs came and licked his sores, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was when the beggar died 
and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosoms. The rich man also died and was buried. And the scripture went on to say, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Both of these people, the Lazarus and the rich man, were descendants of Abraham. And according to Abraham's discussion with the rich man, they both lived under the Mosaic Covenant. Because the rich man said, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers don't come to this place. You know, he was used to ordering Lazarus around when he was alive. He didn't even have a conversation with Lazarus. He just said, I'm not going to even talk to him. He went and talked to Abraham. Why? Because his character was still the same character he had on earth. I told people, I said, I said, there's people in hell saying, Jesus, send that nigga over here and have him give me some water. Why? Their character didn't change just because they died and went to hell. They, don't, they didn't think you was nothing in life. They still don't think you nothing. But it still ain't working for them. I don't care if you have a cross that you burned when you was alive. More than the cross is burning now, baby. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, they won't hear them. And he said, if they won't believe the Mosaic covenant, Jesus said, they, Abraham said, they won't believe when somebody is risen from the dead. The thing that I want you to understand is, Abraham and the rich men were both rich. Lazarus was righteous. He was. We know that because when he died, he entered Abraham's bosom. He was righteous, but he only desired the crumbs. When he could have had everything that the rich man had, the covenant was as available to him as it was to that rich man. They had covenant promises that covered healing. Not, not the fact that Jesus died and became our healing, but that God had promised them through Moses he would bless their bread and water and take sickness from the midst of them because he is the Lord God that heals them. So they had a covenant of healing. Lazarus just decided, I'm going to be right with God, but I'm not going to get the other covenant promises that's available to me. And then he desired crumbs. So don't you be a Christian crumb snatcher. Make sure that you choose to take every covenant promise that's available to you. If God desires it, make sure you desire it too. Because those things are available to you. All right. Five covenant enhancements of Christ. Five covenant enhancements of Christ. Number one, it is better because we... Romans 8, excuse me, Hebrews 8 and 6, write that down, says he's a mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. It's better because it does what the old does and more. Number two, it's better because it's based on better promises, not in the old. Three, it's better because of a better blood, not like any other. Four, it's better because it allows pardon through the power of the blood of Christ. Five. It's, a better, it's better because of a better basis, not earning and doing. That was the Mosaic Covenant. They had to earn something and do something, but believing and receiving. Right? 
So you got to know that there's these covenant promises that are yours. I get everything they get plus the better part. I remember uh, a few years ago when uh, um, Prophet Minifield's husband, Brother Melvin, said, I'm about to retire, but I'm waiting for the new contract to come out. He was waiting because he knew that his expectation was that the, the new agreement would have some better benefits in it. What I'm telling you is you got a better agreement. It's got, it's got all of the goodies from the old ones plus some new ones they couldn't even ask for. But you got to stand for it. You got to believe it. You got to receive it. You got to meditate those covenant promises until you see God doing them for you. Come on, let's stand. Is this good? Hallelujah. Stop looking at your situation and letting it determine what you believe. Stop looking at those things. See, they had a promise of wealth that was based on the Abrahamic covenant. But 2 Corinthians 8 tells me that Jesus himself became poor, became poverty itself so that I could be rich. Jesus took sin so that I could be righteous. He didn't just cover for my sin like he did them. He cleansed my sin. He took sickness into himself and gave me his healing. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. He took all of my dumb days, and, and Christ has been made unto me wisdom. So I just want you to have confidence and not settle for something less. Don't let your, your situation become your limitation. Don't let it. Choose to see what God's made available to me and receive that. I know somebody who believed that and died. Well, somebody else believed it and lived. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to believe that God will do it for me. Next week, I'm going to show you in Hebrews chapter 6 that that picture that you get inside of yourself, as you meditate that picture, you actually not only create that hope inside of you, you put a picture inside of heaven that heaven goes to work to bring the past in your situation. Woo! I'll show you that from Scripture. God willing more abundantly to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable nature confirmed it by an oath so that you would have this strong consolation and hope. Look at your situation, but don't be limited by it. Abraham, consider not his own body. Against hope, he believed in hope. And then he patiently endured until he inherited the promise.
Stand for your turnaround, people. Stand for God to do the thing that he's promised to do for you. Don't give up. He, he can't lie. God can't lie. He swore it to you in the blood of his son. He can't lie. But you have to believe it and call to it. Even God won't do that for you. You have to be the one that calls to it. You were the one that has to have the raw audacity of faith that looks your situation in a lie and tells it it can't determine your destiny. God has an amazing plan for your life before the world began, before any problem, mistake, habit, mis or misfortune overtook your life. So often people want to get their act together then come to the Lord. The reality is we can't get our acts together. That's why we all have to come to the Lord. The, pro the, the, the promise of it is, though, that I don't have to get my act together. I get covenant benefits on the fact that Jesus got his act together and kept his act together. And then, now after he did it all right, he took the penalty and became the scapegoat for everything that I would ever do wrong. All heads are bowed, eyes closed, believers are praying. If you like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and benefit from this amazing plan that he has for you. Really simple. Just believe that he came and died and rose again for you. And ask him to be the Lord, to be that covenant man for your life, that you want to get in on the covenant that he's promised. He then says that he's going to do an internal work, an inside job that brings you, brings his covenant character inside of you to be partaker of his divine nature. That's you. Would you show me that by raising your hand? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Now, second appeal is maybe you're a believer, but you've allowed hurts, hindrances, and habits to get in your way. Things that'll just slow you down or keep you out of the will of God for your life. Uh, or you saw yourself in the Word. Maybe you've not been, had that strong, confident hope. Maybe God's dealing with you that you need to dig in the Word. So, you know, I've been, I've been really working as much as I've been doing before. I've been really asking God to help me to not be distracted or disappointed by people because people didn't promise me God did. And so God's been dealing with me even in my own life. David, what's your hope, what's your hope based on? How do you serve people and then not get mad when people have the fallacies and the problems that they have that even you have? Your hope can't be based on people. So if that's you, God's dealing with you about your own hope life. Raise your hand. Just let me see your hands. You believe in God. You help, you're asking him to help you. I see your hands. Amen, amen, amen. Well, the other part of the promise that we learned today is that we receive the promise through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been saved, but there's another level of benefit that's available to you. Now, just, just because you haven't walked in your covenant promise to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and other people have, 
It's still available to you, but it'll sit there if you don't receive it. Okay? And so that promise, that second level of empowerment of spiritual power to, to, to have God work through you and in you and witness and, and fulfill the assignment, the destiny path with the Holy Spirit, who is God's destiny guide. That's you. You want to receive that, not just being born of the Spirit, which is salvation, but being baptized with the Spirit. Would you show me that by raising your hand? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then finally, finally, I'm saying this not only for those that are here, but those that are watching us as well. I'd love the opportunity to be your man of God. God's told me that I should share and give people an opportunity to join the team of destiny. We believe that our assignment here is not, it's, you know, it's great churches, okay? So, but we believe that God has sent us to do something unique. And we're simply just wanting to do the thing that we were created to do. And we believe that there's people that God is sending to help us to fulfill this assignment. And that in helping us fulfill the assignment that you'll receive fulfillment in your own life. If that's you, you want to get some information about membership, then we'd love to talk to you either here and live or those that are online. Definitely if you're online, you can instant message us and we'll follow up with you directly. If you're here, would you raise your hand and we'll just talk to you after the service is over in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, saints, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for being my covenant man. Thank you that you have brought me in, into your covenant. I am no longer a stranger. I am a fellow citizen. I am an heir of God, and I am a joint heir through Jesus Christ. I put my hope on your covenants of promise. I believe them. I receive them. I stand on them. I stand for them in my situation. I will not live beneath my covenant privilege, but I will take everything you've made available to me through your covenants. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, you can clap right there. Hallelujah. I do want to just note and we'll, we'll um, dismiss. We're going to, in, in the house today, we're going to partake as part of our covenant meal together. I'm praying even for those of you that are online and those that are here, and you guys may be seated um, as we prepare, that um, even the practice of communion has a different significance. It's God's, we remember the fact that God swore this covenant with the sacrifice of his only begotten son. Even that was based on the Abrahamic covenant because you couldn't ask your covenant partner to do something you weren't willing to do. So when God asked Abraham to offer his son, God had to be willing to offer his son. And so I want you to understand that's the sacrifice that undergirds our covenant. You actually have a chance today to participate with us um, in helping this difference of destiny go forward. There's some information on the screen that's being made available to you. 
please, if you're blessed by the word, help us to do the assignment that God has called us to do. Just, you know, anything that the Lord tells you, we believe that there are destiny partners that God is raising up to help us take the voice of destiny to the uttermost parts of the earth. That might be you. And if the Lord is dealing with you in that regard, then I'm going to challenge you to do what he says. All right, we, we will be here out on Tuesday night, and we look forward to your being here with us this coming week. God bless you, and see you next time. Amen, amen. Come on, let's get ready to...